recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with Coach Renee Dreyfus and Matt Peters. Ring the bell and let's get it on. The bell has been rung. It is on. Matt Peters here and Coach Renee Dreyfus, Radical MMA, New York City. How you doing, Renee? Doing great. Fantastic. Fantastic. So UFC 215 was last night. We're going to get into talking about uh, that fight and all the awesome fights that were on last night. Thanks and for listening. I'll edit that out. <laughs> and, uh, but first, we're going to talk about um, a couple of the sponsors that we have on the show that make the show possible. First of all, being ChristopherMedia.net out of Detroit. Chris is our uh, distributor network, Christopher Media Network. He helps us out get everything going. Uh, and then we have NutriChef, NutriChef NYC, uh, NutriChef NYC at gmail.com. They have uh, awesome food that's delivered to your house, so you don't have to worry about cooking, and it tastes great. Uh, so check them out, um, and you can check us out on all of our uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and get information on all those sponsors. Uh, so, how'd you like the fights? Very technical, some of the fights. Some of the type fights I thought... Uh, showed uh, the experience or the inexperience of the different fighters. And, uh, so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of interesting back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, there were some that were really great, some that were good, and some that were taking a nap during those ones. Um, so, for sure, good stuff, great stuff, bad stuff. And we'll talk about all those kind of things. Did you have a favorite fight that, uh, that you saw? Well, I have to say that Henry Cejudo always impresses me. Uh, the Guy starts out, and, and I think you want, you want to look at someone like Sarah McMahon, who's also Olympian in wrestling, and Henry Cejudo, same thing, same background. But the ability for Henry Cejudo to become a uh, phenomenal striker, uh, very good jiu-jitsu, understanding the jiu-jitsu game, and just really an all-around high-quality uh, mixed martial artist is, is in, in a short time, is, is just absolutely amazing. No matter where the fight goes, I, I feel that uh, Cejudo has some game versus Sarah McMahon, who I, I total respect for. But you can see that there are certain positions that even after years, and she's been fighting for years now, that uh, she's neglected to train. Um, she's really bad off her back. And, um, and you saw that when she got submitted. So, you know, uh, I would have to say that Henry Cejudo... It's a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter, and uh, just can't wait to see him try for the title against Demetrius Johnson. And it was a, it was a shame Demetrius couldn't fight because I was really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope to see him fight for the title soon. Yeah, I guess we should talk a little bit about uh, Johnson and Borg and what went on with that. Yeah. Um, kind of the speculation is that it might have been a weight cut problem where he was he's had issues in the past of cutting weight uh Borg Oh he has I didn't uh, know that He has yeah uh last couple of fights he's had a little trouble getting up to the last couple of days ahead of the fight losing those last couple of pounds uh he had 8 going into Friday night and 8 is a really hard especially at his weight Yeah 125 8 pounds is uh yeah. That's and Johnson not, was being ten percent your body weight, you know, not a little under ten percent of your body weight if you're weighing one twenty five. And that's intense. Yeah. yeah. Um, Johnson was being very nice and saying, Oh, he's sick and you know, he's being very respectful and, right. and being Demetrius Johnson. Right. Typical um, Johnson to be to be a class act. But it definitely seems a little weird that I mean, he he was saying he's sick. I don't know, sick 
or if it's the weight cut. Well, well no, I would say I would say it, 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 you're absolutely right. He, he it's the weight cut, but the weight cut and the sick being sick are not mutually exclusive. Sure. So I, I'll be honest. We're, we're working with a fighter right now, getting ready for a fight, and you know we're doing a hard eight week training camp, and it's almost certain that during the training camp, and 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 Ronda Rousey talked about this a lot when she was fighting. And she said, there, there's, there's not one training camp there that everything goes right and that I feel 100%. And, you know, I know by the last week I'm going to get sick. Because you're so grinding your body down. You're cutting weight. You're putting it through its paces in tons of training. And, yes, you, you, you're, 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 you're at the extreme of your body's limitations. So mm-hmm. what happens? Your immune system goes down. Now, when you're trying to drop weight, particularly for a 125-pound class fighter, you're talking, you know, these guys are lean to begin with. It's not like they, they're walking around with bellies, you know. They're not, uh, not some of the heavyweights like, like, um, oh, what's his name? Nelson. Nelson. Yes, thank you, <laughs> Nelson. Right. <laughs> that guy's yeah, a, yeah, right, right. He's right. a trip. Yeah, he's funny, but you know, it's not like that. You're, you're already dealing with lean guys mm-hmm. who probably have very more fast metabolisms, you know, very ectomorphic metabolisms where they they don't put on weight much anyway. So dropping 10, 15 pounds. Is, is tremendous dropping eight pounds on the day before huge so you're always playing that game and when you're dehydrating yourself you're also putting yourself through tons of training to get sick to get a viral infection is natural uh, and he body not only did he get it but he couldn't fight it off because if the ufc doctors i said they deemed an unfit for competition it means he's probably pretty freaking sick yeah so um the 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 way the weight cuts are done in in the ufc right now or M, modern mma is very much like the way weight cuts were done in wrestling like 15, 20 years ago before they changed the rules. And uh, they're dangerous. They're mm-hmm. dangerous. There was a fighter who died recently, uh, most likely due to a weight cut. Uh, and there was one in Brazil also about a year ago from, I think it was a year ago. Um, it was the, uh, you know, Aldo's team, uh, Novo Nial. It's quite common because you're, you're doing something very dangerous. And you can uh, cause irreparable, even if you don't die, you can cause irreparable harm to your kidneys, your mm-hmm. liver. It's not good stuff. So uh, I'm really hoping that, um, I think 1FC in, in Asia has a different weigh-in policy. Someone told me that recently. I'm not sure. But that they require in-camp weigh-ins uh, all the way through camp. So you cannot drop significant amounts of weight and play that dehydration game. So, you know, eight weeks out, ten weeks out, you already have to be at weight. Hmm. You know, in the middle of camp, you have to be at weight. Yeah. And then the day of the fight, you have to be at weight. So you're not yo-yoing your weight around. That makes sense. That's um, it's a better way to do it. It's, it's safer. And that's the way wrestling does it now is that uh, if you have irresponsible uh, weight weight cuts, uh, as a coach, you lose your license. You're, wow. If you're, if you're, you know, charges, your, your students do that. Yeah. My uh, brother-in-law, uh, he wrestled in high school and college and... Uh, he was always talking about weight cuts and you know he's 16 years old and he's dropping 15 pounds in two days by killing himself and the coaches are encouraging it, encouraging you know? yeah yeah and that is not healthy and uh in the it was something in the 80s there was i don't remember the exact number but it was something like three four people minimum a year mm-hmm. in wrestling amateur high school and collegiate wrestling would die from cutting weight that is ridiculous yeah 
you know, and, and it's not like they're getting paid either. <laughs> I'm not, obviously getting dying anyway is not good. But, you know, I'm like, there's just some 16-year-old kid dropping weight irresponsibly, and then he, he goes into kidney failure. Yeah. It's terrible. So, you know, the, the, the props to, to wrestling, they changed it and, and made it much safer. And I think MMA has to do the same thing. All right, so we'll let Borg off this time yeah. so we didn't want him to die. <laughs> and hopefully he doesn't. And, well, you uh, never know. I mean, it could have been also that he, you know, some fighters are lazy and don't watch their weight too. I don't, I don't I mean, really know. The, the, know. They don't make weight, they just get a penalty. I mean, they could still fight. They just lose half their purse, right? That's right, that's right, that's right. You know, like... Um, so he could have fought. He could, he could have fought if he didn't have that viral. But and I'm sure that Dana White I, said that. Yeah, but no, but as, as I understand, the UFC doctors did deem him Yeah, so unfit. he was not able to fight, so, even so if he wanted to. If he didn't want to, you couldn't, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he was broken up about it. I haven't seen any interviews with Borg since. Um, yeah. He's kind of... In, maybe he's in the hospital. Who knows? Right, right, right. Um, hopefully he's okay. It, yeah, hopefully he's okay. Um, you know. He'll fight again later. Right. Um, but it looks like there's a new contender for the, uh, the uh, division against Johnson. Yeah, um, I've always been impressed with Cejudo, particularly when he coached the Ultimate Fighting uh, Championship, uh, the outside the, the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. uh, reality show, and uh, he's a great coach. And you can just understand that he is he is interested in evolving his technique. Yeah, I don't think I've seen too many guys in such a short period of time go from being a one-dimensional fighter to having such a great skill set in so many diverse aspects of the game. The guy can throw hands. Mm-hmm. He really can. He's really, you know, really sharp. You, you know, if you said, oh, he started out as a boxer, not a wrestler, you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and he started wrestling with, no, you know, no boxing experience before. And in the submission game, I remember watching him on the show and his coaching, do this, do this, shows a very high-level understanding of the submission game. Obviously, I think that's the, that's the place where he has to, you know, kind of, uh, evolve further, mm-hmm. uh, but um, but he will because he's, he has that basis of uh, of wrestling, which always if you if you if you if you open your mind to jujitsu, then you'll then you can accept it, you know. But some wrestlers find it hard, like like Sarah McMahon. She just is terrible in in uh, the bottom game. She just you know just not evolving there mm-hmm. at all. You know, she's the same fighter she was, and this is respect. I mean, she's a she's a warrior. She's an athlete. She's an Olympian. She's amazing, but. The fact of the matter is, um, she um, off her back. She's the same fighter she was, you know, five, ten years ago, mm-hmm. or whatever—not ten years ago, but you know, like uh, when she could start getting out, sure, you know, in the, in, the, in the game. That's that's uh, that's sad. That's yeah. sad to see. Do you think, um, kind of going back a little bit, would, would Johnson have uh, beaten Borg? Can you speculate on that? Um, you know, I have to confess something. I have not watched Borg that much, so no. I can't really say I was a fan of his game mm-hmm. I, you know he kind of I haven't I have missed most of his fights I think I saw one passing by mm-hmm. uh, you know pass, pass, passably um, but I don't really know his game uh, so I was looking forward to it because everybody said he was very technical but I didn't go back and watch it <laughs> but I'll tell you this <clears throat> um, there is no question in my mind that Demetrius Johnson is pound for pound the most technically skilled fighter in, in MMA today, and I don't see... I mean, look at Cejudo. Cejudo's great. And Demetrius Johnson ran through him like, you know, a hot knife through butter. It was, it was nothing competitive. And I mean, of course, it was him a few years ago, but still. It was like nothing. He takes champions, and he just put, picks them apart. <laughs> he, and he, he doesn't get exposed at all. You know, when he fought Wilson Hayes, when he fought Mizugaki, when he fought, you know, all these different fighters, he just... He's found their weakness, computed, blah, 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 and just wins. And every time he fights, he fights them. The next time he fights them, he does even better. 
So I just don't, I, unless Borg is like Superman, <laughs> I don't think he was going to take it. But he's probably going to give a good work. You know, everybody said he was a good skilled fighter. Yeah. Um, again, full disclosure, I, I don't really, I have not analyzed Borg's game. You know, yeah, I don't think know. Borg was, I think he's a fantastic fighter, but I think Johnson would have taken him apart, technically. Yeah. Um, and then it would have been an easy, you know, victory. And he would have gotten the new title and or been the best Paul the record, most title defenses. Most title defenses, yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing. And I think now he might be either a little bit worried about who he's going to fight next, if he's going to fight Cejudo, um, who's a different class of fighter. Um, so it might make Johnson a little bit worried about his, uh, his record. You know, yeah, you know uh, I, I, can't, I can't pretend to know Johnson or anything, that, but I know what a champion is. And champions don't get motivated by challenge. They get, they, they get fired up by challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you can't have... Uh, you know, the, well, he would have had the most number of title defenses if he didn't have that, that thing that George St. Pierre had, the thing that, you know, the, the, these, these, these guys who have game have. They're, they, they're like, oh, you, you're going to challenge me? Great. That's what gets me to wake up in the morning and put those extra hours in running. That's, yeah. what, that's what fuels me. They thrive off of that challenge. So he doesn't want the easy win. He I don't wants, think he wants, he wants it. to it, earn it. Right. People say, oh, but he didn't fight, he didn't accept the TJ Dillashaw fight, blah, blah, blah. But it's also, um, you know, uh, uh, behind the scenes there was a lot of negotiation for pay. And that has nothing to do with his gameness or anything like that. It's like, okay, if you want me to fight up a weight class and take more damage, because that's what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. he's like, you have to comp- compensate me more. And the, the UFC's not willing to do that. Yeah. So there's, you know, people like, oh, he wouldn't take that fight. Well, you know, when you go up 10 pounds... You're going to take more damage. It's going to detract from your career. It's going to possibly give you some brain trauma or this or that. So uh, you should be paid more. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was, he was talking about. And he had legitimate gripe that he wasn't getting paid enough. And, um, and so I, I understand why he didn't take the fight. Uh, I don't think it's, he's scared of TJ Dillon, so I think he'd like to fight him. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in his head, but... You know, there like are issues. The challenge, yeah. yeah, right. But there are issues you have to say that you gotta get paid. Yeah, you gotta get paid. And and if you're going up ten pounds, that's a very big deal when you're dealing with someone who's a great fighter. Mm-hmm. You're gonna take a lot more damage and probably take a couple years off your career. Hmm. Wow. So you're gonna take two years off my career, but you're not gonna pay me for that? Yeah. Hmm. You know, that's not that's not fair. That's not good business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so that's my that's my take on that. I think Demetrius Johns is one of my favorite fighters. I have nothing but awe for his just amazing level of technique and skill and class in the ring, unlike some fighters. <laughs> Who shall go nameless, but they're from Ireland. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but he's a nice guy. He looks like a, he's yeah. got a good family man, got a good head on his shoulders, so I'm mm. sure he'll do, he'll do great things. Yeah. Like, like Gary has. Uh, all right, so we talked enough about people who didn't fight last night. Um, the the it, Dos Anjos fight, that was a good one. Okay, let's go over that right now. So why don't we watch let's it? Let's go to the tape. Let's go to the tape, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I really respect Neil Magny, but uh, he's come up short against a lot of fighters. Um, and although he's game, because I know he took a couple fights on, or one fight on, on like a day's notice or something like that, you know, props to him. I think it was a Damian Maya fight that he took really short notice. But, um, and he, he's he's a great fighter, but... There's great fighter, and then there's the, the top one, too. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think he's there yet. Uh, I, I was telling everybody yesterday, I, hadn't even, I haven't seen the, didn't see the fight, and I'm like, I, I can't see Magny pulling this off. 
I just can't see it. And Rafael dos Anjos has, uh, you know, sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off, but uh, he's still world class. And well, Neil Magny is, is I think, with a couple years of seasoning and experience and training, he can be there, but he's not there yet. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say that he's he's uh, you know he's a scrub or anything like that. No way. <laughs> but there's a difference there between the top three. And then, then four, five, six—that—that's quite a chasm. That—that's a—that's a tremendous difference there. And uh, you know, experience, uh, timing, uh, ringsmanship—these are all things that he just—he just needs to develop a little bit more, in, in my opinion. Right. But uh, I think he'll get there eventually. You know, no, 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 no question. Just, uh, just um, gonna have to go. So let's let's go over here. What he did wrong here. All right, so the fight starts, and uh, I'm a big Rock, uh, Dos Anjos fan as well, although he is sometimes, you know, he doesn't perform as well as, as he should, you know, but uh, he does come from jiu-jitsu background, so I like, I like him, uh, I like that he has that technique, but sometimes he kind of just doesn't fight as smart as he needs to. So, good movement, it's, you know, it's orthodox southpaw, so, oh, it switches out, yeah, that's, that's the new game where you see a lot of switching stance, something you don't see in boxing a lot. And just switching back and forth, back and forth, being tricky. And, uh, oh, look at that. Beautiful. That was, see, because he caught him with, with a bit of weight on the leg, and then he just kicked him and took him down. Mm -hmm. That is a, that's just a phenomenal level of experience there. And that doesn't happen when you're, you know, number two in the world or number three in the world. It only happens when you're number five or six. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that, that's my take on that. You know, just, it's a, a, level, a different level of experience. And let me tell you, you don't want Rafael de Sanders on top of you, you know, two minutes into the round. No, it was a very uh, <laughs> quick Yeah, one-sided one, one fight, yeah. <laughs> one-sided takedown. Right? And he's yeah. got a long career. He's had, you know, almost 40 fights under his belt. Um, so he's got a lot of experience to pull from. Yeah, for sure. You mean uh, Dos Santos, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I was like, Neil Magnus. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, really? Is it? Yeah, no. Uh, and 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 you know, I think that that's uh, that's here. And 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 uh, the people don't understand that that uh, Dos Anjos, one of his teachers is a guy named Gordo, who is a half guard master. So he loves to be in half guard because um, it's a position that he's extremely half guard top is a position he's extremely familiar with. And you know, he he Magni's not going to pull anything from this position that Dos Anjos hasn't seen a thousand times before. So you see his short elbows, you know, weight control, just peppering him, and he's taking his time and looking for, you know, bravo chokes, just a lot of damage there. That, that's, a, that's a huge level uh, 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 of knowledge there. And to be in that position, I'd almost say that Neil Magny would be better off, like, letting him pass the, the side control and scramble because uh, there's nothing that he can do here that... Uh, that uh, Tosan just hasn't seen for given his teacher being Gordo, the, the master of the half guard. Yeah. Um, when we get to the submission, mm -hmm. uh, the, the tap comes very frantically. I think he was uh, in a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> With, when you get those many elbows in the temple, even short elbows, I'll tell you, you know, I've eaten a couple of short elbows like that. You know, sometimes they don't look impressive, but you're, you, you have a lot of, you know, your ringing doesn't go away for a couple of days. Yeah. They're, they're, they're quite, quite painful. Um, that brings me back to the, the Sarah McMahon fight. And, you know, a lot of people, there was a, there was a fight, uh, I was, I don't know, about a year ago, maybe, you know, um, 
Sage Northcutt, you know, the, the mm-hmm. pretty boy the, fighter. The and he, yeah, he got really, really um, uh, uh, criticized because he tapped in half guard to an arm triangle. And Sarah McMahon, the same thing. You know, she tapped in, in, in half guard. Uh, most people are like, oh, well, that technique doesn't work when you're in half guard. Uh, it does. It absolutely does. It's, it's a lot of people don't realize that. But when you adjust the, half, the, the arm triangle technique... And what Henner and here and Gracie call the von Flu uh, arm triangle, because it's sort of like what, what's known as von Flu choke. But it's if you've ever trained with anyone from Hicks and Gracie, you know that his style of doing the arm triangle is very much like that. A lot of pressure, a lot of power. You know, just like um, Dos Anjos is doing right here. You know, arm triangle, boom, the shoulders down, the angling's off. This is this is tight and gonna be done. Mm-hmm. So you saw two two you know. Two submissions that were just, yep. Yeah. Two submissions, same submission, Sarah McMahon here, and then here with uh, Rafael DeSandro, same arm triangle. And you'd notice that it almost looks effortless for them because the leverage of the position is there. And, um, and uh, it's, a, it's a great submission, great submission. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it was a good fight. Um, mm. Yeah, and you're right, that, that was quite a frantic tap. Yeah, he but, was uh, getting ready to, to yeah, pop. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And the trick with that move is most people don't know is you don't aim for the neck. Sounds weird, right? But there's a little, you know, there's that little soft spot right below your neck. Okay, it's called the, the duodenum, right? Or duodenum. Uh, that's where you drop your shoulder. When you drop your shoulder there, boom, it comes on really fast. And it's this kind of pressure you feel you're, when you're not used to it. Mm. You're like, oh my God, this is terrible. It feels like your head's going to explode. <laughs> so that's why he was so frantic. Sure. Yeah, and also why Sarah McMahon didn't, uh, I mean, um, the uh, uh, Perea, I think her name was, uh, the one who beat Sarah McMahon, why, why Sarah McMahon tapped without the girl having to pass to, um, to, 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 to side control. She tapped right from Apgard because that shoulder was in the right position. Yeah. Mm. I can say I've never felt that, and I'm I hope happy. I never do. Are you sure? I, I could show you. We do you that know, maybe I mean, on another episode. You just go through sure. a couple I, submissions I with love, me. You know, you know, my <laughs> wife says I have a little sadistic side, and so do my students. So We'll get somebody, <laughs> a guest to come in to be the volunteer. Uh, so that's the thing is when you do jiu-jitsu, you become, you become like a sort of, you know, use your purposes, your, your knowledge for evil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Putting people in, in pain holes. Thanks. No, that's, yeah. a, that's a joke. Last fight I got in was probably in high school, so I've I've avoided fights for a long time. Thankfully, that's good. Yes, that's good. Fighting is bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, let's talk about Nunez. Let's talk about uh, the main event. Yes. Um, um, you know, we were talking about it before the show, and um, you know, some people were a little disappointed. Uh, I can point to many fights uh, that were kind of played out the same way. Um, Stylistically, when you have a certain matchup, it becomes much more technical and sometimes people take as many chances as they need to or they just kind of cancel each other out. So it, to the casual fan, it becomes what you know a boring fight. And I think there were some, some, some technical elements there for sure. Obviously, they're both amazing, amazing strikers, amazing athletes. But the way they were fighting... Um, uh, you know, was not not the most exciting. Mm-hmm. I think you made a, made a good point before we started uh, recording, talking about how it, it's not the the champion's responsibility to, to bring the fight. Shevchenko needed to up her game and, and go on the attack. You, you know, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's what most people say. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I come from I come from the old old school where you know this the, the UFC and all this 
was started to see, well, what works the best in a real fight? So, you know, uh, I'm not, obviously counterpunching is great, but I think if you're in the fight, you should try and finish it, whether mm -hmm. you're the champion or not. You know, you should, you should, you should be trying to finish. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's the, the, the challenger's job to, to bring the fight. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Most people kind of say that. But I think it's also the job of both fighters to get in there and fight. Mm -hmm. uh, they're both getting paid. <laughs> you know, but sure. and and there's that entertainment aspect too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. A uh, lot of a lot of um, it is it is the, the challenger's got to be game for but sure. Nunez is a, a little bit of a younger um, fighter as well, and I, we talked a little bit about Johnson and his mentality and how mm. him being the champion for so long, and Nunez may have a little bit of the. I want to hold on to this as long as I can kind of aspect. Yeah. Um, the, the, the title has changed hands a couple of times in the last five years. Um, so she is kind of holding on to the spotlight as long as she can, I think, with her inexperience and her, her young youngness, uh, youngness, her immaturity, yeah, maybe right. playing, coming out. So she may have been a little bit more cautious and try to just win by decision rather than go all out and get a knockout. I, I agree with you. I think that's a great observation. Um, you know, some people said that about George St. Pierre later in his career, that he was fighting more conservatively. And I don't know if that's, you know, putting George St. Pierre aside, but that's, that's a, common, a common criticism of some fighters that they don't they didn't fight too conservatively. I, I don't think that's true with George St. Pierre, but, but it's definitely too true that, you know, when you're newer to the title, Sometimes, yeah, you you don't want to lose it, mm -hmm. and um, also like we were we were talking about before, whether you're the title holder or not, you know, sometimes you lose two fights in the UFC and you're just you're cut. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 I remember it was um, uh, that one seventy uh, pound fighter, she's I forgot his name, the wrestler, and he was winning super dominant, and then he just lost one fight and he got cut. Um, shoot, I forgot his name now. Um, the wrestler out of uh, out of Pennsylvania, but anyway, so and he was—he got one win and he got cut. Um, so you know, it's always in the back of fighters' minds that they could—they could be cut at a moment's notice. And you know, yeah, I, I think he made a great observation. I think that's really true. The other thing is with Shevchenko is because you know, a South most, for the most of the fight, it was Southpaw versus Orthodox, and she should have been using the body kick more. Um, that would have been a much better weapon. Uh, she didn't really use it at all the whole fight. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it was a little bit, you know, strategically she needed to work a little bit more kicks. She ate a lot more kicks, and she was trying to outbox Nunez a little bit more. They're playing that hand fight game, and Nunez was hitting a lot with low kicks, and Shevchenko was not using her legs, the, that body kick, that uh, that back leg body kick enough. Mm -hmm. If she'd done that, then I think she would have had it been, been more. She seemed to be a little bit... You know, a little bit predictable with their hands and uh, and not being able to, to control the distance to score with them. So that that was my take on that. Um, yeah. Not, I mean, but it was a split decision. So you know, it, it was it was a tight. And you're right, uh, Nunez didn't didn't go out all the way, and Shevchenko had trouble making making the distance to connect. Mm -hmm. And um, and definitely in that the ground scramble that was part of the fight, there's not not much went on, which is which was was unfortunate too. You know. Yeah, the last round was. Uh... They were just holding each other for a while. <laughs> yeah, they're probably a little tired too. Yeah, right? I'm sure five rounds. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Take anybody out of it. Um, but yeah, uh, most people would say, look at that, and say, not the most exciting fight, uh, but um, but but technically interesting to see what what can be improved. And I'm sure they'll go back to their coaches and and come back a little bit stronger next time. You mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I kind of like the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, the whole drama with Dana White and Nunez. And are you up to on that at all? I, I mean, I know you stay out of the drama. Yes, you know, you, you want to stay out of the drama, right? Right. You know, uh, I'm the only person that watched the Ultimate Fighter, and I fast forward over all the the, the house <laughs> the stuff. stuff. I just yeah, I just go to the training <laughs> stuff and then to the fight. So I don't actually know any of the dramas going on. Well, uh, uh, Nunez dropped out. Uh, she had the main event uh, a couple of UFCs ago. And she dropped out. She was sick. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yes, I do and remember that. And then Dana White yeah, yeah. says she's never going to headline an MMA pay-per-view again, ever again. Yeah, but he never follows through anyway. Yeah. He was, he's like, oh, and he contradicts himself always. Yeah. He's, like, he, he's like, you know, Demetrius Johnson is the greatest in the world. Now, Demetrius Johnson is crap. You know, Conor McGregor is the greatest in the world. Conor McGregor, you know, no, this guy's crap. You know, like, he makes those, you know, he's, he's just a salesman, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's like he, he forgets what he says six months before. Yeah. But I, I think maybe he doesn't forget, but, you know, it's just he's a salesman. He's whatever. got nothing. He couldn't do anything. What's yeah. he going to do? He has no other fighters. He, one day he's going to pull somebody out of the, and put him at the main event. Right, right, There's right. There's nothing you can yeah. do. He's got to be Nunez. That's uh, just an interesting people. Will just. But he put her back on and... Uh, um, so that's great. Uh, you're right because because uh, but they were co-main event, weren't they? I don't know. They were weren't they? co-main event. It was just they must have been. Yeah, because it is a title fight. Yeah, two title fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It you must know. have been a co-main event, but he still was. I don't think he likes her very much. You know, but, you know, I I think Dana White, like like you know, I said I, I I don't know him so, but I think a lot of it is salesmanship, and he knows that the WWE model sells. Yeah. Because honestly, the majority of MMA fans are not interested in the ins and outs like I am of the technical battle. They want the Conor McGregor. They want the, the drama. They want this. You know, they want the chill son. And they want, so he supplies some drama. And, you know, I guess I, I don't really enjoy that, but I, it, if it sells tickets and keeps MMA going, it, it, you need to have to be part of it. You know, uh, uh, Mayweather, you know, <clears throat> early in his career, he was pretty boy Floyd. And nobody wanted to watch him. The minute he became Money Mayweather, suddenly people, you know, love to hate him. Yeah. So, you know, I think Dana White is understands that he has to be a little bit of P.T. Barnum. He he has to sell that fight and create drama. And probably what he says on camera and what he says off camera are very different. At least I think so. Though I don't know. You know, who knows? Yeah, I'm sure he's a definitely a, a very different person. Um, you know, he's a he's a he's a character. He's a he's character, right? A, he's playing a show. He's playing a show, right? Um, right. He's a he's the the the, the ringmaster yeah. or the octagon master. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, that's kind of the highlights of the UFC 215. Um, let's look forward to 216. Have you seen the fight card there? Do you have any? Uh, is that the one that? with? Is that the one with George St. Pierre? No, I oh. think he's 217. He's going to okay. be in uh, MSG actually. Okay, right down two, the street. Okay, two, two, oh, 216. Yes. Verdum is back. Verdum. Oh, Verdum. Let's see. Who, what's, what's this card? Um, yeah, you know. Um, do, 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 do. Okay. Okay, it's, oh, it's Ferguson Lee. That should be interesting. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, um, okay, so this, this, uh, this looks like it's going to be an interesting card. So it's, it's Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. For Dumb versus Derek Lewis. Okay, wow. This is kind of a stacked card. There's some really interesting fights here. Um, okay, I would say first, you know, Kevin Lee is this really good up-and-comer, and Tony Ferguson is one of my favorite, you know, fighters coming up. He He's really interesting. Again, another guy that he can do it all. He is... Um, 
let me tell you, he's really interesting. He comes from a wrestling background, and he also has uh, trained a lot of jiu-jitsu, mostly with uh, Eddie Bravo's squad, but I think he's going around, but mostly he's known to be training with Eddie Bravo's squad, so his 10th Planet style, Nogi style. Very interesting, very skilled. Um, and he has great, you know, really great striking. But the interesting thing is, is that when you watch a Tony Ferguson fight, you see a wide variety of martial arts. So you'll see him boxing. You'll see him doing Muay Thai. You'll see him standard wrestling. You'll see Greco. You'll see rolling Imanari, you know, uh, 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 flying leg locks. You'll see jiu-jitsu. You know, you'll, you'll see mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. You won't be watching Joanna uh, Djurjic, who's great. But you know, you're going to watch a Thai boxing fight. You know, like that's what you know. She's not going to be doing any flying Imanari net leg locks. You know, yeah. that's not going to be happening. But, you know, with him, you have no idea what you're going to expect. And he's one of the few people, Ryan Hall and Tony Ferguson, are the two people that consistently have done, uh, like, really, really interesting, unorthodox sambo, Russian sambo, which is a martial art that specializes in leg locks, um, Russian sambo entries, flying entries, uh, which actually they're Russian sambo, but popularized by a lot of Japanese fighters. One of them is Imanari, uh, to, to evolve the game in another direction. And uh, so you don't know if he's going to shoot. You don't know if he's going to die for a leg lock. You don't know if he's going to um, punch you in the face. And so he's so he's such a virtuoso of so many different styles. I just have nothing but respect for this guy. He mm -hmm. is the definition of mixed martial arts. Wow. So you're picking Ferguson then? No, I. You know, no. I mean, but Kevin Lee's great too. And you yeah. know. Uh, he punches hard. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't be, yeah, because, because you're just because you're a virtuoso doesn't mean you're more or less effective. And let's go back to Joanna Jurjic. Joanna Jurjic is a great Thai boxer with a great sprawl and she knows who she is. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to be more than that. So it, it's the, the age old debate. And I was, I was actually on another show before, you know, this podcast does. Few, few weeks ago. Are you cheating on me? I, I, you know, it was before I met you. You know, if I had known, I would have stayed, saved all my stuff for you. But, but they asked me, you know, what, 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 what makes your training and your academy different? And what, you know, what are you doing that's different? And, and I said, well, you know, we're, we're, there's two sides of the debate in MMA. There's the debate where Joe Rogan is on one side and there's some traditionalists on the other. Now, what do I mean by this? So, you know, most of the champions you see today come from single-style backgrounds. So they wrestled for years. They're awesome wrestlers, and then they transition to MMA. They're a great jiu-jitsu fighter. Then they transition to MMA. They're a great Muay Thai fighter. Then they transition to MMA. Versus someone like uh, um, uh, Condit, Carlos Condit, from day one, he was just in an MMA academy, uh, which is Jackson Winklejohn, and he just did MMA for day one. Mm -hmm. So he's familiar with a variety of things. Now, most people who've started in the MMA paradigm have not been successful. Really? Most have not. They're usually dominated by the single style people who, you know, have that one style that they're really, really good at, and they cross train a little bit. And they get, you know, pretty good at just finding one game that they do and they push that game on people. Hmm. Uh, but I think at the, 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 it's changing. I don't really know because then when you get too much into a single style, let's go back to Sarah McMahon, you kind of get stuck in your way. You get stuck in your rut. 
and then you can't evolve. And then you get put in a place that you don't usually get put into or you're not as well trained and then you get tapped out. So Joe Rogan is like, wow, there's going to be a new generation of fighters who are well-rounded everywhere and that's going to change the game. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him. I don't know the answer. Is it going to be the, um, the, the, the Thompson fighters who are like, you know, okay, I'm a karate guy and I do a bit of cross training. Or Conor McGregor too, same thing. I'm a you know, boxer, kickboxer, and I'm going to do a bit of cross training. Although, you know, Conor McGregor does spend a lot of time doing grappling. Mm-hmm. Um, but am I going to be that or am I going to be Tony Ferguson? What is it? Uh, was yeah. it Bruce Lee? I'm going to quote Bruce Lee, so hopefully nobody gets offended <laughs> if I get it wrong. Or he said, I, I'm not afraid of the man that knows a thousand kicks. I'm afraid of the man that practiced one we'll kick, kick a, a thousand, thousand times. times. Right. And that is very true. You know, that being said, the easiest way to lose a fight is to be taken to an element you have no idea what to do. Yeah. So, so this is this is something that the, you know the jiu-jitsu guys found because you know jiu-jitsu guys first do the MMA they killed everybody because they were they're great at jiu-jitsu and nobody understood jiu-jitsu so they grab you and then they choke you out or break your arm and nobody knew what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then people were like, okay, I'm gonna learn how to defend this and okay, I'm a wrestler. I learned a little bit of jiu-jitsu defense and now. I can just push my my wrestling game and you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And then you had the strikers learning, okay, well, I'm going to learn some wrestling to not get taken down, and then I'm going to punch you in the face. So, <laughs> so, so then you had the kickboxers coming in, you know? And, and there's this, this, you know, then, okay, so now that the kickboxers know how to wrestle, you have to wrestle better and you have to shoot box better, but putting your striking and your grappling combinations together better. And then also the jiu-jitsu guys are starting to have to evolve much more too. So I'm leaning towards a middle ground mm-hmm. in this. It's like you have to start with a good solid base, but then you to be elite, to, to be competitive, you have to make sure that you're game in every aspect of the fight. Like we're talking about Cejudo, we're talking about Tony Ferguson, we're talking about Demetrius Johnson, you're talking about these guys, Cody, uh, Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw, Dominic Cruz. It doesn't matter where the fight goes. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. That's because they're, that's champion. You, you know, so I think to the elite level, you must break free of the, the restraints of your style. And which is why in my academy, while we do focus in the beginning on grappling, we're always doing grappling in MMA context. And we're always thinking, one, when you're ready, we're going to start cross-training mm-hmm. uh, because we don't want to get stuck in a box and be predictable and fall into the bad habits of that box. So we're trying to skirt a middle ground. And, you know, I don't really know the answer to the question yet. We'll, we'll see in 10 years yeah. where we are. And if it's all mixed martial art trained fighters, we'll know the answer. If it's still, okay, recruiting guys out of D1 wrestling programs and cross-training them after that, and they're still dominant, then, then you'll know the answer there too. Hmm. You know, so who knows where it's going. Yeah, we're just yeah. have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, I'm going to start practicing that one kick. I got two down. I got 997 more to go. So I'll be uh, very dangerous in about 10 years. Um, all right, so we'll wrap it up. That was uh, UFC 215, and we talked a little about UFC 216. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for listening. And this, no, yes, I know yeah. we're wrapping it up, yeah. but is there one more thing I can say? No. Maybe we can edit it out. No, go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that, you know, um, I, was, I was, you know, if you look at a lot of the cards, it had a lot of finishes. So, you know, okay, the, the main event wasn't great, but you can see that there are a lot of up-and-coming guys and a lot of um, 
interplay in the grappling jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was I was very I was very happy that you saw people really trying to finish the fight, and uh, and use use some phenomenal techniques, particularly in the jiu-jitsu realm, which has been neglected for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's some some it's easier to be a striker with a with a sprawl than it is to be a really skilled jiu-jitsu guy. It takes longer. It just takes longer. Um, just does. Uh, there's more to learn. Uh, and it's nice to see the resurgence of a lot of jiu-jitsu. So there was some really nice, um, or there's arm bar, arm t- two arm triangles in, the, in the, the fights. And you also saw, well, it was a TKO, but the Ilir Latifi fight was all about, you know, jiu-jitsu back control. Mm-hmm. So it's great to see, a, a, you know, resurgence of grapplers. And you can see a lot of Russian grapplers like Khabib, not Russian, you know, former Soviet Union grapplers, really embracing the, the, the grappling element, which I thought was, you know, you, know, you, you lost that for a bit. So I think uh, it, it, it was a great, great show. Great show. Okay, maybe the main event didn't deliver, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I was very entertained. I'd rather have uh, a show like that than have the opposite, where everything else is boring and then the main event's amazing. Right. Because, you totally know, you good. paid 50 bucks for two hours yeah. worth of material and one yeah. five-minute fight's good. Let's just make sure that the fights are stopped on time and nobody dies. Yeah. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Marshall underscore culture and on Instagram at Marshall Culture Cast. Please leave a review on iTunes and we'll see you next time on the Marshall Culture Podcast.